Okay, today, I just really felt to talk about the Holy Spirit, to talk about our relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of times we talk about having a relationship with Jesus, but we don't really talk in, in, in terms of having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. But anything, anything that God is doing or has done in the earth, he's done it through the third person of the Trinity. The third person of the Trinity was involved in it. Well, what about the ministry of Jesus? Well, it was a spirit. It was a third person of the spirit. The third person of the Trinity working through him while he was on the earth physically. And, and you know, there's many, many aspects of the relationship with the Holy Spirit that we, we have, and we may not be aware of it, but we have a responsibility to nurture that relationship with the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that is in us right? The Holy Spirit's in us. It's not floating around on the outside. He's in us, okay? I got a lot of scripture. Uh, you know, we're just going to get through this to what time allows us to get through, okay? So John chapter 7, we're going to put it up here. We got that, right? John chapter 7 for me, guys? Okay. John chapter 7 says, now at the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. I think we all know about drinking of the Spirit, right? We all know about being filled with the Spirit, right? About being filled and, and that we need to continually be filled. We can dry out the tank just like you can empty the tank in the, gas, in the car, right? If you use all the gas up in the car. If you're not drinking of the Spirit, okay? That staying in tune, that whole aspect of drinking of the Spirit is to keep it alive on a day-to-day -day basis, Okay? It's not just a once and that's it, okay? And, and it says to drink, and they purposely related to drinking because that's all they could relate it to. When you get filled with the Spirit, it's like drinking, and I'm not talking about drinking water. They're talking about drinking alcohol, right? In Ephesians, Paul talks about don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. He was relating it to it. On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, it says that the Holy Spirit, like a mighty rushing wind, ran through the house. Anybody have a mighty rushing wind ever run through their house? I have a lot of times. I'll open up them doors in my house, and a mighty rushing wind will come blowing through the house. And guess what happens? Doors begin to slam. All of a sudden, you hear this, bam! And it literally like shakes the door right off, it, off the, the foundation it's sitting on. That mighty rushing wind came in and it just ripped through those shutters in that upper room. It was like a hurricane hit that place. And then what happened was these little tongues of fire, fireballs were over their head and they began to speak with other tongues as, as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. And you know what the men outside thought? These guys all were doing day drinking. They were on a day drink. No, they weren't. They were filled with the Spirit. Jesus talks about, says, If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay, a couple things here. Jesus invited the thirsty to come. 
He's always inviting the thirsty to come. Not a normal thirst in respect to how we get thirsty for water. Or we get thirsty, or we get parched, and we need to drink something. Okay? But it's a given that you and I, when we drink from the fountain, will never thirst again. That's a given. In Jesus' mind, that was a given. You come to me and drink, you're never going to thirst again. How do we know that? John chapter 5 tells us the woman at the well, she was invited to come and drink so that she would never thirst again, right? Absolutely. That was a given. But he says, I want you, the thirsty, to come so that something can flow out of you. The purpose to drink is so something can flow out of you. It's a given. Oh, man, it's too loud here. I got to pull that away. I got to learn how to pull it away when I get a little excited, man. And that's a lot of time. I get excited a lot. Okay. So it's a given that I'm going to get filled. But he wants to, it to flow out of me. He wants it to flow out of you. Okay? The thirst he was alluding to was a thirst to have something life-giving to others. All right. You've heard it said around here that the way we see Jesus is how you treat people. Our life is the direct reflection of whose voice we're hearing. Okay? So we're directed to come and thirst through the things that we hear. The voice of the Spirit is speaking loud and clear in the earth. And it's those that will in tune to it and get into that pitch of the Spirit. You'll begin to receive things not only that fill you, but will be life-giving for others. And that's what it's about because anything that God is going to do on the earth, he's going to do it through his believers by the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Okay? And we have to have relationship with the Holy Spirit. And, and I'll talk to the Holy Spirit like I talk to Jesus. You see, we talk about adoption, how we've been adopted, right? We're sons and daughters, we're adopted. How were you adopted? By the spirit of adoption, right? It was a spirit. It was the spirit of God that brought your adoption papers. He brings the adoption papers, and he convinces us of the truth of Jesus. Right? It's the Spirit of God that convinces people that's working in the earth. We, you know, it's not Father, Son, Holy Spirit in order of power and authority. That's not how it works. The Holy Spirit is the Godhead working in the earth right now. It said in that scripture, he spoke of the Spirit of God that could not come because he was not yet glorified. As soon as Jesus became glorified, who came on the scene? Mighty rushing wind came blasting through the windows and doors in that upper room. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not a poof just flowing around. It's the Spirit, it is the Godhead living in you and me. It is how we speak. It is how we can release whatever we release. It's by that power that is within us, the authority and 
That's why I had us do this exercise, because we were exercising the authority of the Spirit through us, corporately. Let's jump to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're gonna go, it's, I think it's pretty much the whole chapter. And I came, one of my most favorite verses of Scripture in the Bible right here. And, I, <laughs> and when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God. The reason why Paul said that is because he could do that. Because Paul was a very intelligent man. He was a very learned man. He would probably, he, he, he most definitely would be like equivalent to having, you know, a doctorate or, you know, a master's degree in education in, in, in our society. But you know, he had a, he had, for him, the temptation was to lean on that. Just like the temptation for us is maybe to lean on some things that we can do, you know, well. But he says, I didn't come to you with the wisdom of men proclaiming the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It was, he knew it was going to be hard for the people to separate the learned Paul from what he was saying. He said, so I, I purpose to make it only about Jesus so that you know that that's where I'm leaning on and that's, what I, that's who is flowing through me. Okay, that spirit of Christ that is in the earth. The spirit of the Christ means nothing more than what? The anointed one, right? The spirit of the anointed one working through me. All right. And him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the, keep going, go ahead, flip it to the next one, please. Is that it? No, okay. The spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest in the, on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Paul realized that anything that he did, the people's faith had to rest on the very power of God being able to work through people and being able to, to, to instruct and to teach people, as we're going to find out. All right? Yet we do, do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, that is not of this age, nor of the rule, rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. Well, we talked about mystery a lot, okay? About how God, mystery is not hidden from us, but it's hidden for us to go search it out. And as we, we, we flow into God's wisdom, that mystery is revealed to us. Okay, so it's not about natural wisdom, okay? Because he's going to get in, into this in, the, in the, the, the bottom, the end, end part of this chapter about the natural man, okay, and then the spiritual man, as we're going we're to find out. Wisdom and mystery that the hidden wisdom God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would have they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, th th things which eye has not seen, nor he ears has not heard, and which has... I'm, I'm, I'm reading it 
out of the King James, but that's not the King James Version because I read it out of the King James all the time. And which have not entered into the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. Okay? In essence, what he's saying, it's not about man's wisdom because if it was about man's wisdom and he was able to figure all this out, they would have never crucified Jesus because they know what it would have done. But he says it was the wisdom of the Holy Spirit that did this, okay? And the wisdom of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us is able to reveal the things that I cannot see, nor ear can heard, nor what has entered into the hearts of men, okay? The natural eye, the natural ear, and the natural heart, not the beating heart, but the natural man's heart, can't receive the things of the Spirit. They have to be spiritually discerned. That's why you and I needed to be born again. We needed to have our spirit reborn by the Spirit of God so that could happen. If that doesn't happen, people don't get saved. They just don't get saved. They just don't come to Jesus. Okay? It happens all the time. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the Spirit of man that is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. That's why we can connect with God. Because we have the Spirit of God, we can know the thoughts of God. Just like I can know the thoughts of men because I know how men think. Have you, ever, have you ever been two steps ahead of somebody? Because you know how they think, right? Because the natural man knows how man thinks. You can call it just like that. It's the same thing with the Spirit of God. Not that we're two steps ahead of God, but we can think the thoughts of God because we have the capacity to because the Spirit of God dwells within us, the Spirit of wisdom, okay? All right. Where did I leave off at? Now, we have... We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the spirit of God. Okay, so that's that that. that thing that goes on within us, okay? We're connecting spiritual thoughts with spiritual language and the natural man can't receive it. That's why it's laughable to people. That's why it was laughable to some people in here when the gospel was presented to you. Uh, <clears throat> let's go on here. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. Okay? We have the ability to praise and discern all things because of the Spirit of God that's within us. You and I have the power to do that. Not just a select few. You have the power to do that on a daily basis. You're gonna, we're going to find out as we jump more into this deeper. Uh, as we 
talk about relationship with the Holy Spirit. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may, will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That's a great declaration to make over yourself every day. I have the mind of Christ because the Spirit of God dwells within me. And I'm able to not only discern spiritual things, I can appraise natural things according to the Spirit. And I am appraised of no man because the Spirit of God is dwelling within me. Hallelujah. Glory. And we make those declarations over my, ourselves and, and, and you know, just allowing that to renew the way we would think as far as how we can, you know, think according and in line with the Spirit. And when I say that, I, it's not like we're trying to outthink God or think ahead of God, but we're trying to think like He thinks. You know, because, because that's, we have His nature in us, the Spirit of God within us, okay? All right, let's jump to the next scripture here. All right, well, let me say this. Paul's ability to speak out of his own wisdom came from his... Uh, came from the Holy Spirit teacher in him. As he declares, he demonstrated that by speaking by the Spirit, which translated into demonstration of power. And, and so the early church learned very early that they had to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. They learned that real early. Because if they didn't, they didn't have anything to to go on or anything to, anything to support them in when they walked out and began to speak about Jesus and about what he's done for mankind. They, they had to have that relationship with him, okay? Romans 8.11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The root word there is zoe. Gives us the ability to produce aliveness and bear life. If that spirit that raised Jesus Christ dwells in you, that spirit of life that dwells within you, that zoe life, the God is life, okay? Zoe is the word, you know, equivalent to agape, and agathos, which are the, the words for God is love and God is good, God is life, Zoe, okay? If that's in you, it has the ability to be not only life-giving to you, but produces aliveness in you. You know, some people are just breathing on the face of this earth, right? I'm just breathing, right? I thank God I'm breathing. Well, this is a life that is aliveness. You're alive. You're alive. Okay? You know, like the Frankenstein movie? He's alive! I'm alive. I'm alive with the life of God. And it has a capacity to give life. I can give life away. Okay? 2 Timothy says, he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. In the, that particular version, it says discipline, which that comes from a word, 
sophronismos, which means self-control, soundness, self-restraint, and discipline. The Holy Spirit has the capacity. See, we're talking about relationship now with the Holy Spirit. When I come into relationship with the Holy Spirit, I come into relationship with power and love and the ability to control and manage my life. You can do that. That's why we tell people, manage your life. I'm not going to manage it for you. The Spirit of God that dwells in you has the ability when you partner with Him and you come in relationship with Him to help you to manage your life. Self-restraint and, and self-control and discipline. 1 John 2.20. Oh, I love this. I love this, this scripture. 1 John 2.20 says this. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you and you all know. I, I like it the way that King James says it. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. You mean I'm a know-it-all? No. Not in the sense of that word. You're a know-it-all. But I have the capacity to understand and know if I want to. If I want to. If I want to. You have an anointing from the Holy One. The you have been smeared. That word anointing means smeared. Okay? Smeared. You have the capacity to know truth when you see it or hear it. Bam. I how many have ever said this? I bear witness to that. That's your ability to know. To know truth when you hear it. And if you have the ability to know truth, that means you have the ability to discern a lie. Because knowing truth gives you the ability to discern a lie. You know a fake dollar bill because you are familiar with a real dollar bill. You're so familiar with a real dollar bill, you know a fake when you see it. Now, they don't counterfeit dollar bills, $20 or more. And I'm going to tell you a story, true story, real quick. I'll make it quick. And this guy, he came to me with this problem. He says, listen, my son, he took a $20 bill, and he, he ran it off on his scanner, uh, on his printer, and he printed out a $20 bill. He took it to the local store. He bought stuff with it, and he came home. I go, what? I go, he just counterfeited a $20 bill. I said, he's a counterfeiter, man. Guess what? That store owner did not know a real $20 bill. Good enough that he could discern a fake. I mean, a fake that a young kid made off of a printer. You got to know the truth enough so that you can discern the lie. The Apostle Paul and the Apostle John spent a lot of time in their epistles writing about the Antichrist spirit that is out there to seduce the believer. You have to know the truth. It not only makes you free, it keeps you free 
from the deception and the seduction that is out there. You wouldn't believe how many seductions were out there in the short period of time that the gospel was preached after Jesus died. There was all kind of craziness being taught out there. But Paul told them, listen, you have the spirit of, or this is John talking about, he says, you have an unction of the Holy One that you can discern and know truth when you hear it and see it. <clears throat> the capacity to know truth when you see it or hear it. Verse 21 gives us the understanding John was making them aware of when he was talking about the anti-Christ spirit that is looking to seduce believers from the truth. You have an unction. You don't have to be seduced. You don't have to be deceived. You have the spirit of God. The problem is, is people want everybody else to tell them what to do and what to believe. You have a Holy Spirit that's within you that can connect you with where you're at in life. And, and again, where you're at in life is so important because you, you're going through a maturing process, okay? We're constantly growing, you know, just like we constantly grow as human beings physically. You're doing that spiritually. And you've heard me say, I don't believe some of the things I preached 10 years ago. I don't preach those things anymore because I don't believe them. Well, you believed them then. Well, that's where I was at then, okay? Not that it, they were lies, but I've moved on to those things, from those things. As, Paul, as the writer of Hebrews talks about, we're moving on to the, the next block in the building process of our lives so that we can grow up in him. I didn't become a heretic now because I don't believe those things anymore. I mean, some people will believe that you are by some of the things you preach, right? There's some Christian. I mean, we spend too much time trying to defend the faith with believers. We're defending the faith from other believers. These are believers, there are different streams and expressions of what we believe, okay? Different expressions of it. But, we, but if you sit down with it, we all can get together. And Man, when I had a church in Chesterfield, I met with probably ministers. Now, these are ministers that I met with from probably a dozen to 15 different denominations, and we met regularly and had relationship. So it wasn't all centered around that we all agreed on our theology. The biggest rule we had amongst ourselves is when we get together, we don't talk theology. And if we talk theology, whenever I talk theology with any one of them, I would talk to them on a one-to-one -one basis and only if the conversation that we were having led to that. And we did it in a way where we were looking to see where that person was coming from. Not so we could judge them or try to win them over to us, to our expression. Okay? We got to get out of that stuff. 2 Corinthians 3, 6 through 8. Who also made us adequate servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death in letters engraved on stones came with glory. 
You see, he called that the ministry of death. Called the old covenant the ministry of death. And it had glory on it, right? Because Moses, when he came down, man, he shone like the sun. He shined. Is that right? Is that good English? Probably not. All right? That they had to put a veil over his face. Let's jump down here. How the ministry of that spirit failed to even more with more glory, okay? How now that there's even more glory on this ministry, okay? The ministry of the spirit of life. Let's go on. Keep moving. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. This is all part of that same thought, okay? I just didn't put all the scriptures in between it. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Lord, the Spirit. Uh, just, just as from the Spirit of the Lord. I'm, I'm reading, I'm thinking King James because I read all this stuff in King James. That must, what is that, the N-A-N-A-N-A-S? New, New American Standard? Okay. All right, so that's second. So, so what we've got is the Spirit brings a liberation, okay? He brings a liberation, which is freedom. Whew. It's that fresh breath. That's that breath of fresh air, man. I've been liberated, man. I've been liberated from that religious spirit that was all a part of that natural man. Okay, here we go. Here's some definitions for you, so when you're reading these, you'll understand. The flesh is the sense and reason outside and without the Holy Spirit. So when somebody's in the flesh, they're in reason outside of and without the Holy Spirit when you're in the flesh, okay? The mind of the flesh is thoughts and purposes guided by the sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. It's the flesh's way it thinks, okay? That's the mind of the flesh. You and I, outside of Christ and without the Holy Spirit, we, had, we operated out of the flesh, that is, without the Holy Spirit, and we, uh, and we thought along those lines, okay? That's why the Holy Spirit, we can, with the mind of the Spirit, we can know the thoughts of people who are in the flesh. Not just because we thought that way, but because the Spirit of God reveals that, okay? Now, living after the flesh is catering to the appetites and the senses and reason outside and or without the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> when we were in the flesh, we lived sensually, okay? Sensually is not always sexual, Sexual is always sensual, but sensual is not always sexual. Okay? You can live sensual because you're living by the senses. Feel, touch, smell, right? That's the senses. That's how we lived, outside and without the Spirit. Now, when we live in the Spirit, we don't need the senses to dictate to us. Although He can use them, we don't need it because we live by the Spirit. We're going to get to that in a minute, okay? So now, Let's look at, where am I at? 2 Corinthians 6. 
2 Corinthians 3, 6 through 8. Wow, I've got a few more minutes here. You got that? No. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Go to the next one because he repeats this in, in the same book of 1 Corinthians. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Okay? In other words, Paul is saying, as a part of that liberation that we have, this is where it gets into that power, love, power, and a sound mind. And I say this a lot. You can do whatever you want. You can do everything, anything you want to do. Okay? But you'd be ready to answer to whatever you do. Just be ready to answer to whatever you do. You have the Spirit of God within you that'll tell you, no, no, no. No, no, no. That's not for you. Well, so no, that's not for you. So you don't do it. You don't say it. Because Paul says all things are lawful, but not everything is profitable. It doesn't edify, and it doesn't build up other people. Paul is always all about his life being an example for others to follow. That's why he said, follow me as I follow Christ. You and I should have that same attitude in that we're walking so in tune with the Spirit in such a relationship with the Spirit that you could tell somebody, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me. Because I'm walking in tune with the Spirit. And Paul didn't say that arrogantly because he was always concerned about whether this was going to affect, his life was going to affect somebody in a negative way. That's that whole dissertation about eating meat offered to idols. And his liberty was that he didn't have a problem with it. But if it's going to cost this sister to offend, if I ate meat offered to idols, he won't do it in her presence. I just won't do it in her presence. See, to me, that's Paul living his life and giving his life for her. Okay, He's laying down his life for her. No greater love hath any man than this, than he lay down his life for another. That doesn't mean you go die for somebody, you go jump in front of a bullet for somebody. Yeah, that, that applies there too. But that applies to this, what I just said here. I've laid down my life for her because I don't want her to stumble. And we should live our lives that way. Well, that ain't fair. Well, it ain't about fairness. Jesus never said life was going to be fair. He never went around preaching and said, Sister, life is going to be fair to you if you follow me. He probably told them the contrary. Life is going to come up to you and slap you, knock you down, spit on you, and won't respect you for what you believe. But are you going to get up and are you going to walk with me? Because the servant is not greater than the master. They did it to me. Don't be surprised if they do it to you. Don't be surprised. They're going to misunderstand you, misquote you, misrepresent you. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Jesus said with those people, just shake the dust off your feet and go to the next person because the next person may be the one that will listen. It doesn't mean to be rude to them. It doesn't mean to cut them off. It doesn't mean to condemn them. It doesn't mean to curse them and, you know, all that other crap that we think we, that means. It doesn't mean that. It just says move on. They ain't ready yet. They just ain't ready yet. He'll come by and 
reap that person, and not that she's that way, but he'll come back right after, follow right up after me, and, and at that time, she's re- he or she's ready, and they'll come into the kingdom. It's walking in the spirit, folks. We're getting there. Let's, let's get there real quick here. All right, I'm going to jump a bunch here. All right, Thessalonians, quench not the spirit. Relationship with the Holy Spirit is don't quench him. What does that mean? Don't extinguish, suppress, or stifle the fire. Don't, man, don't extinguish, suppress, or stifle the fire. What religion wants to do when the fire starts, they, where's the fire extinguishers? They want to quench the spirit. Well, what about, what if, what if what it turns into wildfire, man? Well, in order to have wildfire, you've got to have fire. And you could deal with wildfire. I'd rather deal with wildfire than no fire at all. Don't quench the fire. Don't let the fire go out. Don't let the passion for Jesus leave your life. Don't let the world steal it away. Don't let somebody slapping you in the face, spitting on you, and doing all that stuff we talked about before. Put out the fire in your life. You can go. You can go. You can keep the fire going. Ephesians 4, 29 and 30 tells us, do not grieve the spirit. Misrepresenting the Godhead, which in turn causes heaviness and sorrow and offense. Don't let any wholesome word, let not any corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but only that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister life to that person. Let no unwholeness word proceed out from your mouth, but only that which is a word as it is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Why do you think, it, why do you think that that ends up there? Because that grieves the Holy Spirit. When unwholesome words come out of our mouth that isn't ministering grace to the hearer. That's the relationship we have with the Holy Spirit. That's the responsibility that we have in walking and living in the Spirit. Romans 8.14 and Galatians 5.18 says that sons and daughters are led by the Spirit and they're not under the law to guide and direct as attaching oneself as an attendant. The Holy Spirit attaches himself to us as an attendant to us to attend to the things of our life, to attend to the real, the small, the, 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 the real, the small things of our life, the, the fine print of our life. He's all about the fine print in our life. Because it's, it's, what, it's that is what molds our character, okay? But if you are led by the Spirit, Romans tells us that you're not under the law. He tells us here that what? That we're not under the law. That we're sons and daughters. That's an identifying mark of a son and a daughter. They're led by the Spirit. You and I are led by the Spirit. As sons and daughters, we're not led by the carnal, fleshly nature anymore. One of my life scriptures is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. 
I trust in the Lord. I declare that over my life often. I trust in the Lord in all my ways. I lean not unto my own understanding, Lord, in all of my ways, all of my ways. I trust you. I acknowledge you. And I believe that you direct my path. I believe that. I believe that God, by the Holy Spirit, directs my path. He directs it. I'm ending here. Galatians 5. Live in the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Okay? If you want to live a full, vigorous life and breathe among the living, not lifeless and dead, then we need to walk in the Spirit. If you want to live amongst the living, Walk in the Spirit. Okay? Live by the Spirit. As you're progressing in life, you are making full and good use of the opportunities. That's what walking in the Spirit is. As you're progressing in life, you're making full and good use of the opportunities that the Holy Spirit is giving you. The way we live in the Spirit is to walk in the Spirit. The way I live in the Spirit is to walk in the Spirit. And, and the next question was, well, do you do it all the time? No. But I'm working at it. I work with the Holy Spirit. I don't ignore Him. I want to work. I want to have partnership with Him. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit, my relationship with the Holy Spirit, and I'm wrapping this up, is that we come into partnership with Him. That word is paraclete, come alongside against. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us against the things that would come to trials, try to steal away what you have. He's the comforter. That's why, I mean, out of that revelation, he's the comforter. He's the advocate. He's the unifier. He's the intercessor. He's the one who convicts us of sinful things, okay? He's there to do that. As one who comes alongside us. He's a partner. He's the senior partner in your corporation called you. You're the junior partner. He's the senior partner in the law firm of Tony Mancina. Holy Spirit and Tony Mancina. Senior partner, Holy Spirit. Junior partner in my life. We, if we have that type of relationship, We'll experience those comforting moments when we need to. We will experience those times when we don't know how to pray. And Holy Spirit, the intercessor, comes in and he takes over alongside with us against. Okay, like it says in Romans, okay? And uh, when we need help, he's there to assist us and to show us things. It's just amazing when you call unto the Holy Spirit and you ask him for help. He'll direct you in such, sometimes such natural ways, okay? I, I, I believe, you know, Google could be used as a Holy Spirit tool to help people. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, YouTube can be used as a Holy Spirit tool to help people if it's used in the proper way. And he'll, he can guide you to do things, man. You know, you just ask Holy Spirit to help you. 
and some of the most natural things will, will happen, but it's a supernatural encounter that happens. And we just write it off as, all oh, that just happens. But man, you know, it's not a coincidence. And if it's a coincidence, it isn't a coincidence that that coincidence happened when I prayed. Right? So it isn't a coincidence. So I just encourage us, man, to, to be aware of the Holy Spirit that's within us. That Holy Spirit is there to have a relationship with. He's within us. He's not there. He's in us to have a relationship with. And we can keep in step with him. Because, you know, as, as we listen to him, we just become that much more mature and that much more life-giving. Amen? All right. Come on up here, Jeffy, and close us out, okay? You closing us out? You're closing us out. All right. Close us out, big fella. Thank you, Papa T. Yeah. Any, any, all right, well, um, so yeah, it, what, I was, what I was hearing there, just in short, is that there's no difference between the, in, in, to, to a certain extent, there's no difference between the natural and the supernatural. The supernatural is natural to us, and just learning to walk with that more and being aware of it more. So, everybody give it up for Papa T. I'd like to hear a testimony. Do people, other people like testimonies? Come on up, Miranda. So, Melissa told me to share this with you guys. but So, I kind of caught the end of this. But just this idea that living with the Holy Spirit is naturally supernatural. We use that phrase all the time in our kids' ministry. I work with our kids every week. And we are trying to teach them how, what does it look like when you know you're so connected to the Lord that it becomes so natural to pray for people and to expect that healing and miracles can happen and all that kind of stuff. So we um, often during our time together will invite the kids to pray for people, especially if our teachers aren't feeling good or we've done that before. And if other kids aren't feeling good or we encourage them if they see kids at school with, um, you know, broken bones or just a cough or a cold that day to step out and to pray for them. And so it's been fun to watch the kids grow in their confidence as they pray. And a few weeks ago, we had um, uh, our older kids, our third graders, and up come out, and they made declarations and prayed over some people in our church family here that are dealing with sickness. And so this week, I came in, and I was in a car accident this last week, and I'm in some pain today. And our uh, teacher who's running kids today instead of me was like, hey, we should have the kids pray for you. And I was like, okay, yeah, that'd be really cool. To, it's like so fun to have kids kind of step out and do that. So um, so I just went into the room probably 15 minutes ago, and I sat in this little chair, and all the kids were, like, sitting around me, and um, they're all so excited to pray and to expect, and then they know me, so that's, like, an extra fun thing for them. So we sat down, and all the kids were like, can I pray, can I pray, can I pray next? Like, jumping up, and they all had their hands out toward me, or they, they were laying their hands on me and making declarations and asking the Lord to heal me of the pain that I'm in today. And one of the kids, just a few minutes ago, and this is just to tie in like this naturally supernatural, like this access to the Holy Spirit. These kids don't have less access than we do or a smaller Holy Spirit than we do, right? They have the same one. And um, so one of the kids had his hand out toward me. He had already prayed once and he wanted to pray again. So he's like, can I go again? And they were like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And he goes, all pain scram right now. 
when I say Jesus, it gets scared like a scaredy cat, and it goes. And that was his whole prayer. And it was the cutest thing ever. And then testimony, I walked in with a six pain, and it was down to a four after the kids prayed for me. And it was so cool. But this is real stuff, you guys. It's real stuff. Amen. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing. I love hearing testimonies and not just talking about it, but let's see it. So bless you, everybody. Thank you so much for coming out. Thank you, Jesus, that as we walk out of here, we are more aware of you and what you're doing in our lives and on our behalf than when we came in. So 